Welcome, one and all, to another full-fledged firing of the Fritzcast. We're back on a normal schedule, and what are we covering this week? How about the state of our two major political parties? Because there's a certain candidate, and we're going to talk a lot about him, uh, that seems to want to just burn it to the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're going to revisit the uh, Democratic Convention in Nevada as well, so get ready for that. Uh, Last week I mentioned Glenn Beck meeting with other top conservatives at uh, a Facebook meeting. I'm going to tear into that because Glenn Beck has a stance that uh, might boggle your mind. We'll also cover some other news topics such as Egypt Air and why it's not such a good idea to jump to conclusions about things. All this and more coming up. Happy Monday, everybody. It is, uh, it is Monday, May 23rd, 2016, and this is uh, supposedly going to be a full-fledged edition of the Fritzcast. The last two weeks, if you've been uh, tuned in, paying attention... They've been uh they've been what I called Fritz Cast Fast Forward or Fritz Forward. See, I still screw it up. I'm still trying to knock it into my head. And it'll take a while, trust me. It's very thick skull up there. That's what uh that's what my family line is built off of. Last two editions have been Fritz Cast, Fritz Forwards, and the Fritz Forward is going to start, I believe, if not at the end of this week coming up. I think it's this week. This week is probably the last Friday of the month. So Yeah, the last Friday of the month is going to be a recap of the entire month's worth of episodes. Just just some of the highlights that I think come from from each episode in a quick little, like, 15-minute, you know, Fritz cast, Fritz forward. I don't know. I would call it the Fritz Flash, but nobody wants to see me or, or say the combination of Fritz Flash ever. It's not a very good one, so... So, you know, what's really odd is I'm sitting in the uh, studio here looking out uh, my windows. My windows actually in this uh, in this room look up to uh, the tree that's in my backyard. And I can actually see bits and pieces of blue sky and, and there's sun out and it's crazy. It is crazy because May has been just, just miserable. Just the worst. Uh, it's supposed to be springtime. It's supposed to be nice. Weather's supposed to be better. I'm supposed to be able to have the windows open at the house the whole time. Maybe turn the fan on to, to get some cool air breezing through, you know, my tiny little rancher of a house. But that hasn't been the case. Uh, I stole this. It's from 6ABC News, but it was shared by my former high school teacher, Miss Mary Jane, who I always love to credit. Uh, 6ABC put out a recap of how May's been... Uh, summer weather's coming our way, but but this is the recap of May. Sunny days. Ready? One sunny day in May so far. One sunny day. Nine partly cloudy days. Twelve full cloudy days. Twelve rainy days. And eighteen below average days. It has just sucked. With a capital S. Actually, with a capital, all letters. All letters, capital for that. Been terrible. May has been a downer of a month. It hasn't been a high note month. Well, actually, you know what? 
I should say it's the 23rd. You know what the 25th of May is? The 25th of May. Let me let me I'll give you a couple seconds to guess. Don't don't worry. Take your time. I'm not I got all day. Go ahead. Can you any guesses? If you know me, you already know, so it's not really like guessing time for you. If if you're one of these catch on, you know, you're one of those random people out in the internet land, out in the interweb world listening. You're, you're like, I wonder what this guy's driving at. What is the 25th? I don't know. You're probably Googling it and looking up, you know, crap. Like, you know, you're looking up the trivia answer. Uh, no? No takers. Hmm. Well, I have no cool sound effects in GarageBand to, to signify a winning. Wednesday, May 25th is my birthday. Hooray! My birthday. I turned 27 years old, so... For those of you out there who are wondering, hmm, how old is this dude? Because I don't know if I kept it in my description bio or not, but yeah, turned 27 years old. Woohoo! Like the old, uh, the, the mega birthday of non birthdays almost. I'm pretty much past all the milestones. It's pretty much all downhill from here, right? Cool. But, big shout out to my wife, uh, Mrs. Fritz. My wife totally surprised me the other day. Came home from work. I was working a 16-hour shift. Uh, came home, you know, very dark. Obviously, it's midnight when I got home. Duh. Uh, so I came home, flicked on the lights in the living room, and what's sitting assembled in my living room but a brand-new uh, charcoal grill and offset smoker. Woo! I was I was so excited. It took every ounce of energy of me not to scream in the middle of the night. Waking up my wife, probably ending in a very bad situation. But I uh, totally excited, totally just wow. Turned around, looked at it, and my jaw dropped. Just like in the movies, just like uh, the cartoons. I was just like, holy crap. I opened it up. I opened up every door I could open up. I just walked around. I just looked at it. I just walked around and looked at it. Look at that. Look at that. Anybody know what that's from? No? Ed Bad Bassmaster? Anybody? No? Just look at it. I just sat there and I looked at it. It's amazing. So I love that thing. If uh, I cured it the other day. And uh, the, the following day I uh, cooked up some uh, pork chops. Some pork chops. And what I, what I, I threw like a London broil on there too. Just, just, uh, just love good old charcoal grilled food. And never done smoking before. So that'll be new uncharted territory. If anybody wants to, if anybody has any like really good ideas, feel free to inbox me on the various formats that I'm on. So there's all that. Uh, last two weeks was Fritzcast fast forwards or Fritz forwards. See, I'm not gonna. I don't have time to go back and correct them. We just have to just have to press on. Just have to press on. So the last two episodes they were Fritzcast Fritz forwards because. Uh, my field training officer position being on uh, two weeks of eight to four with the weekends off, which was uh, the smoothest two weeks I've ever been through. I only had two people in the class. Both of them were uh, upstanding officers. Uh, didn't have didn't have any worries there at all. So it was uh, it was nice to have. It almost felt like a vacation. I, I don't like to say that per se. But it really, it felt like a vacation. Uh, anytime I can get a normal, or, or uh, just a touch of normalcy, uh, having that 8 to 4 shift, having the, the weekends off, 
and just falling back and teaching these guys how to how to act and all the rules and regulations and stuff felt it just felt like a break man it's so uh, i'm everything that i've developed for that program anyway it's it's ingrained in my skull like i throw up powerpoints and i'm not i never am one to do up a powerpoint presentation and read word for word what i put in there i put in lots of words and phrases it's almost like a donald trump speech there's lots of words and and they have no meaning behind them whatsoever but lots of formality i put up on the powerpoint and then i just uh, i kind of kind of hit on the key points you know uh don't like I don't like reading things like that verbatim. It's different if you write up like a speech. If if you write up a speech or or some kind of a talk presentation and you're presenting it to people, that's one thing. If you're if you're teaching people and you do you throw up the PowerPoint on the projector and you're reading just each each word that's on the PowerPoint, to me it's like there's no point in having a PowerPoint then. You can have it up there with with the the big the big full descriptions of things. And you can touch on the key points, and then it's there. They can read it if they want to. If not, you're going to give them the, the, the juice, the meat and potatoes, if you will, of it. So so that was great. That was like a break. But it was hectic. Now, the only thing I don't like about that is hectic. There's so much going on. It's like I have to... I have to plot my days out, and, and you know, I have to have a targeted approach. Whereas the 4 to 12 shift, when I'm going on to there, I have, like, all morning and early afternoon to do stuff around the house, to do my homework. Like, doing my homework the last two weeks? Oh, my God. Let's not even, let's not even touch on that, man. So, what did I say in the description? The first thing I want to touch on is of, uh, let, let's get, uh, let's get Bernie Sanders, uh, let, let's tackle him first, uh, because he's making the news, man. And not in the way that like he's been making the news. It's uh, this is my whole thing with Bernie Sanders, and I've said it throughout the various episodes. If you go back and listen, uh, let me catch you up to snuff. I don't hate Bernie Sanders. Uh, I don't like his. Uh, I don't like every. I, I, how do I phrase it? I don't like all his ideas. I don't want to come out and just straight up say he's a socialist. I don't like that. He is a democratic socialist. Whatever the hell that means. Who knows. Who knows what that means? But I'm not your typical millennial that got caught by the buzzwords of Bernie Sanders, uh, and that's what I think they are. I think when I think he genuinely, when he steps up there and he ta- tells you he believes in uh, free tuition-free education, uh, free health care as a, as a guaranteed human right, things like that. I think he truly believes them. Uh, I just don't think he has a good viable plan of of how to achieve those. And even if he did, I don't like the idea of government involvement in it. Uh, I really don't. Not for everybody, at least. Maybe, maybe for you know a smaller scale of people. But then you know, then we're nitpicking. We're talking about what are the qualifications? How how is everybody being equally represented? I know, and those are those are questions that I don't know how to answer. But I ultimately believe that uh, government involvement isn't the best route, and Bernie Sanders is uh, a complete polar opposite. He thinks that the government should be involved, but that's not what uh, that's not the nuances I wanted to dive into with him. I've always said I I, I don't understand why Bernie Sanders uh, signed up for the Democratic Party. I really I don't. Um, I do in the sense that. He knew he wouldn't get anywhere were it not uh, for 
were it not for being a part of the Democratic Party, were it not being on that platform, you know, how much how much steam would he generate if he ran as an independent? This is he keeps saying these these phrases. Um keeps talking about this. He talks about how he is the best option for attracting independence. Uh, he thinks that independence greatly outnumber the, the, both parties, which maybe that's true. I don't know. He, he, it is a large voting body that's registered as independent. He thinks that he can exploit that the best. That's the same argument that uh, a lot of the libertarian candidates that I've presented to you already argue. Uh, and I think uh, far more independents are independent with the notion or, or the mindset that there should be less government. They want to be left alone. They want things to be more free, if you will. Not free to get, but freer, more open, less government control, more competition, that type of thing. That's that's what I feel a lot of the independents are at. And they, and they don't like the, the BS that the Republican and the Democratic Party sell. There's that. Okay. So I think Bernie Sanders joined the Democratic banner because he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't get as much steam, as much donations. He wouldn't have caught the eye as good as if he tried it independently. At least that's what I think in his mind. I, I would have preferred to see him stay independent. Why not? Because ever since he joined the Democratic Party, it's been one thing after the other. Now I, I'm starting to think that he started running for president with the end goal not being to to be elected president. The whole end goal in my in my eyes at least anyway seems to be that like he's he's supposed to burn the current structure to the ground. He's supposed to just tap in a much like Donald Trump is tapping into people's anger, frustration, all the, all those things that Donald Trump's tapping into. It seems Bernie Sanders is doing it on a different level, on a different scale of things. He's trying to tap into anger and frustration and burn his party to the ground to build it up into something new. Is, does anybody else feel like that? It just, especially with the Nevada and like every step of the way, it gets it just gets worse. So the the Nevada thing. I played you the clips. Uh, there were a lot of angry people, and Politifact even right now is saying there's no basis uh, for any. There's no basis for any claims. It says uh, Nevada was rigged, that people were disenfranchised, that anything was really aloof. It was just people mad at the rules. As far as I'm concerned, you can be mad at the current rules, but you can't be mad about them if you're just learning about them and you're and you're ticked off. You can't get super mad about it. It's it's your fault for not knowing it. You know, people. Uh, when I uh, complained about Delaware not allowing independent voters to uh, pick a primary and vote in one. It wasn't because I just learned of it. It's because that it's been an ongoing problem and I don't like it. But I, you know, I didn't start throwing chairs across the room. I didn't, uh, I didn't, you know, go with my pitchfork and my, and my torch to go burn a building down or anything. Uh, I just, I stated it. I said, I think that this is unfair. I, I listed off a, a host of states that allow it. But that boils down to party, that that boils down to individual party and individual states. Does it need reformation? Absolutely, it does. But 
If you didn't know, if you were ignorant of these rules because you didn't play an active role until this year, that's entirely your fault. That is your fault for not knowing how this game works. And yes, it's a game. Does my admission of it being a game mean I'm playing it? No, I'm, I'm telling you different ways in which I'm going about to change things. Uh, because you have to do it, you have to do it in a certain way. Uh, you just can't, uh, you know, you can't barge through the door and and chant in large groups for for rules to change. Let's uh, let me just break down some Nevada stuff for you. Okay, Jeff Weaver, he's Bernie Sanders' campaign manager. He came out and said that uh, the Nevada Democratic Party leaders hijacked the process on the floor ignoring the regular procedure and ramming through what they wanted to do. And PolitiFact specifically states there's no clear evidence that uh, that anything was done irregularly. Uh, in fact, the PolitiFact article says, quote, for example, there were no last-minute rule changes sprung on convention-goers. The rules had been publicly available weeks in advance, largely unchanged for three presidential cycles given to both campaigns. And while the board received a handful of petitions to change the convention rules, not all of them met the requirements to have signatures by 20% of convention goers. The howls of unfairness and corruption can't change the simple fact that Clinton's supporters simply turned out in larger numbers and helped her solidify her delegate lead in Nevada, end quote. Case in point, I, I really, I, I wish I didn't have to defend Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party here, but I do. This is this is an example of a lot of people got angry, a lot of people got upset, and a lot of people didn't understand how to play the game. This is like if you and me sit down at a game of chess, and I understand the rules and you don't, and I'm playing against you, and I know all the moves that I got to make, and you don't have a clue, and then you get mad at the end of the game because you don't know how to play, you shouldn't have played in the first place because you knew I was going to whip you. Now you can get you can you can find different things that you don't like about it. You can find things that maybe should be changed about it, but you got to do it before game day. And that's just that's where it seems like the Sanders campaign has gone. It, it's not so much about uh, winning the presidency anymore. And I think for the past like maybe month or two, it I think Bernie has known that he's not going to win. But he has such a diehard following and he wants so much change within the party structure that he, he can just press forward and the anger, all those all those howling voices, the boos, everything you know, all those people. Um all those people that uh that seem to be behind the Sanders wagon that seem to want all that change, like, well, it's a movement now. And for it to be a movement, he has to stand up there. He has to be that staunch guy. He's got to be on the attack. Um, and th- this is what we get. This is what we. This is what we're gonna hear for the next, however long we go before Hillary Clinton is declared the winner. We're gonna hear all this uh, because it's his chance to. It's his chance to threaten to burn it to the ground and make him bend. So that, I think that's why we have all this uh, hate and angst towards the Democratic National Committee and why Bernie Sanders is uh, so heated in the news lately. So in all that criticism of Nevada, you know, let's just say that, yeah, 
number one, I don't like caucuses. I don't like those kind of methods. I don't like big conventions. I don't like voice votes. I don't like all the little nuances that played into it, but the the simple fact is that it appears as though this this was already known and this was already in play. You can't come and show up on game day hoping to change the rules because you're big. You have a big boisterous group that will be loud about it. You got to change those rules before game day. That's the point I'm driving at. But this is why we're getting sound clips like this from Bernie Sanders. Take a listen. We need a campaign, an election coming up, which does not have two candidates who are really very, very strongly disliked. I don't want to see the American people voting for the lesser of two evils. I want the American people to be voting for a vision of economic justice, of social justice, of environmental justice, of racial justice. That is the campaign we are running, and that's why we are getting the support we are. Is that how you would describe Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump, the lesser of two evils? Well, if you look, no, I wouldn't describe it, but that's what the American people are saying. If you look at the favorability ratings of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, both of them have very, very high unfavorables. So see, Bernie is even, he's even now doing the, you, you want to choose the, the lesser of two evils because that is, uh, that's Miss Clinton and, uh, and, and she is the lesser of two evils uh, in contention with uh, uh, Donald Trump. And I am, I am the savior. Pretty much. I mean, pretty much. That's what it is. He, he exploited every single group that you could think to exploit in that little statement there. He was talking about economic justice. So you hate Wall Street. If, you, if you're a hater of Wall Street and people that make money, ooh, join Bernie Sanders. Uh, racial justice, if, if, you're, if you're down with the BLM and uh, not the Bureau of Land Management, by the way. But if you're down like that, if you have uh, anti-police sentiment, uh, if you want uh, that kind of uh, that kind of reform, you know, uh, all these different things that you can lump in, almost every single group to exploit, you know, oh, come to me, I'm the savior, I'm the guy that'll change all that. These are the sta- statements that uh, Bernie Sanders is making right now, and it j- it just seems like desperation mode. Obviously, I mean, obviously it is. He's he's done, but he's going to take down as much as he can with them. He's going to make the party bend as much his way as he can. And, you know, that's just what it is. That, that boils back down to, why did you join the party in the first place? Really? Really? M- Senator Sanders, really? Did you, did you have to become a Democrat? I, I don't. Uh, you could have uh, massively, you had a huge, huge uh, independent following. You could have, you could have invoked a real change, maybe. But it is what it is. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Glenn Beck. Bear with me, Beck haters, Beck uh, loathers. Bear with me. He had a meeting with Facebook uh, last week. It was a big, the big conservative gathering at, at Facebook. And uh, the reason why I want to talk about this is because this is, uh, this is from The Hill. It says, Glenn Beck, Facebook meeting, quote, Felt like the Salem witch trial, end quote. Glenn actually talked uh, extensively in one of his episodes last week. If you, if you go on iTunes, uh, look on Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, any, anywhere you can get uh, podcasting done, you should be able to see like a Beck Blitz on it, uh, a little highlight piece that you can then just dive in and listen to his little, his little spiel about it. Uh, Glenn Beck... 
describes himself as libertarian-ish. I don't, I don't throw him out there as the as the libertarian guy to listen to and follow, but libertarian-ish for sure. He uh, he believes that Facebook is you know a private entity. It's just it's something that we can use freely um, unless you pay money into it, unless you're paying for the service that that you know you don't really have any clout to complain about how things are done if it's a free platform. And even if you're paying money, it's still a private entity. It's you know it's an entity that you've agreed to pay money to for whatever reason. Uh, the the big stink was that uh, that Facebook was trying to silence conservative voices, at least you know shove them down, take them out of trendings, uh, things like that. He said when he met with Mark Zuckerberg and these top Facebook people, they blatantly admitted uh, that. You know, hey, we're in California, um, we're in Silicon Valley, we're in the most liberal of liberalville, you know. And he said, you know, I, I don't, he said, I don't expect anything different, you know, it is what it is. He said this meeting, though, uh, all the other conservative voices, or well, not all of them, but he said a good deal of the conver- uh, conservative voices there were making lists of demands, uh, you know, they were, it's like it was a witch hunt, uh, uh, like affirmative action almost for conservatives. You know, the things that conservatives say, you know, we shouldn't have all this all this jazz, no special treatments and all that, but yet demanding special treatment of Facebook over uh, political bias. Now, I don't have any biases against Facebook. I don't I don't spend a dime for anything on Facebook. I promote this show and I have a Facebook page for this show on Facebook. I use the hashtags to get things trending. Uh, anytime I post an episode, I get anywhere between 300 and 500 views, uh, on each post. Uh, I don't know how well that translates into listens. I can tell you direct listens on SoundCloud. Uh, I can't tell you iTunes downloads. I can't tell you who's listening on Stitcher. I, I, I can't tap into that information, but I can tell you I use Facebook freely. Uh, I use the page. I've, I've never, I've never clicked any of the, uh, money promotions to get my little banner ad. On, on Facebook pages and ads, I don't, you know, I'm not interested in paying 20 bucks for a couple of days to, for the possibility of getting a few more clicks. I'm not at that stage yet, I don't think. But uh, Beck said, Be- Be- Glenn Beck went to this meeting and said, you know what, Facebook says they're an open platform. I truly believe these guys aren't out to silence anybody. Uh, I think they, I think they believe that uh, having numerous voices in, is important. I don't think they're they're discriminating against anybody. And he's catching a lot of flack for that from other conservative voices because, you know, now it's and now he's not on the train. He's not on the bandwagon. He's 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 that outside voice saying, ah, no harm, no foul. And he, he even stated too, he said if Facebook was doing it, they're a private entity. What do I care? I'm not supposed to be the guy knocking on the door saying, Hey, you gotta listen to me. I just take my business elsewhere. I don't use Facebook anymore. Is that going to make a dent on Facebook? They have, I think, a billion users uh, registered to them, I think. And what's really funny, too, is you go on the Hill and you read this article, you'll go into the comments and you'll say people are like, wow, I didn't expect this from Glenn Beck. When Glenn Beck is the voice of reason in an argument, something must be wrong. Um, ha, 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 ha. Like I said, I listen to Glenn Beck, but maybe you don't. That's the Glenn Beck portion of the programming. So... So I don't know. I don't believe that there's any biases going on. Uh, I don't think there's any t- 
tampering with uh, the trending topics. It's all al- algorithm-based, you know, jazz, computerized stuff anyway. So, you know, this is there's just not much substance to talk about there. It's more of more of jumping to conclusions, just like the Nevada thing, jumping to conclusions uh, of uh, why the crowds were angry. How about uh, how about the Egypt flight? I guess we should talk uh, at least a little bit about that. I'm scrolling over here. It, it seems to be buried away now. It was a trending topic on, on some of these news sites, but here we go. CNN comes through. Uh, Egypt Air Flight 804 just crashed. Well, didn't just crash. Disappeared from radar. That's the that's the official terminology in this uh, in this report. Uh, quote: The aircraft disappeared from radar last week on a flight from Paris to Cairo. Searchers have recovered parts of the plane wreckage, including passengers' personal belongings, life vest, aircraft chairs, and even body parts. Um, nobody really knows what happens to this flight. It it literally it was on the radar, lost contact, off radar, supposedly crashed. Lots of misinformation went around uh, in the beginning. Supposed terrorist attack, but really, I mean, at, at this point, nobody really knows what happened. It could have been a malfunction. Could have been could have been a numerous could have been numerous things that happened, but people want to jump on board and start making claims early on. And the only information that we have is that something something went wrong. There's question marks everywhere, and it and it crash landed somewhere. And now they have actual now they have actual uh, evidence, a- actual parts of the plane from the wreckage, and and even. Uh, Disturbingly enough, body parts. Uh, now, a submarine is hunting um, for the black box, so maybe they can dive in and figure out actually what happened. The thing is, though, there was no distress signals. There was no contact that suggested something was going to go wrong. And very rarely does, does something happen to planes when they're in flight. Usually, if something's going to happen, it happens uh, towards the landing of the aircraft or at at the takeoff. Usually, not anywhere in between. If if you take off and you're in the air and you're good, then usually, typically, nothing happens. You know, you don't have malfunctions. I mean, anything anything could happen, and, and anything is possible. But uh, again, this is one of the stories that comes out, and you get like all these. You get 17 different angles about what's going on. And and you really can't speculate on anything. You can't you can't sit here and start talking about terrorism uh, because there's not there's not any clear evidence of that at all. And if it was, I mean, you know, then it's an act of terror. Yeah, we we deal with it then when we know. But what do we know right now? Seriously, I I hate jumping on news stories and not knowing anything. It was the same thing. Uh, what was it? A couple weeks ago, I gave you the the story of a local girl. And Howard, Amy Joyner Francis, uh, uh, died after an altercation at school. Then charges got placed on three girls that were involved in it, and there was a lot of outcry that it wasn't wasn't harsh enough. And and the autopsy revealed that she supposedly died from some heart condition. And now there's calls for a second autopsy, and there's still lots of question marks around that that I couldn't give to you. Uh, not that not that Delaware Online or, or anybody in Delaware or in Wilmington is really concerned about that or the the 16 year old boy that got shot to death. They're all concerned about uh, uh, the Jeremy McDole case, uh, the the guy wielding a gun who got shot by the police. But they want to get angry about that. 
But let's not get angry about the little girl that died or the, or the little boy that was shot. Whatever. That's why. If you're wondering why, oh, huh, I wonder why he's not covering more local news. It's because there's not much of substance to cover here right now. Not not with what Delaware Online's shilling anyway. Not with the news journal's shilling. So that's why I haven't. Uh, that's why I haven't dived into that stuff because it's not worth it. Nobody nobody here. I doubt anybody here in Delaware is listening uh, to what I'm saying about it anyway, and, and I'm not going to change any minds over it. So I, I want to get angry over the little girl and, and the little boy shot dead, but but that's not uh, that's not the hot topics because they they seemingly disappear to this other BS. So cheers, I guess. So uh, let's uh, let's shift focus here. Everybody knows. Uh, I did, everybody knows I did, I did an episode that was uh, praising Gary Johnson. And that I've blatantly said time and again I'll, I will be voting for Gary Johnson. Uh, and the further we've gone along, the more I've been up in the air and throwing question marks around it. Uh, here's the thing, here's the thing. I think Gary Johnson might actually secure the Libertarian nomination, and if he does, I feel like that's our best shot then. Gary Johnson, I'm starting to see some fallacies in the Gary Johnson world, and Libertarians, let's have an open and honest discussion about it. Um, Gary Johnson says occasionally some some very baffling things that... uh, are contrary to libertarianism, that are contrary to center, contrary to center politics. We want to say, uh, for instance, when Austin Peterson, when I first heard the name Austin Peterson and I listened to him passingly a couple of times, I thought, wow, this guy's a douchebag. I thought he's, I thought he's arrogant. He's young and he's acting like a prick. That's, that's, that's what, how I initially felt. Then, uh, and I believe it was in the John Stossel Libertarian debates, uh, Austin Peterson presented the scenario of government forcing businesses to do things. And his scenario was, well, should the government force the Jewish baker to bake the cake for the Nazis? And Gary Johnson was like, absolutely, the government should. And it was like, it was a baffling, huh? What? Wait, you think the government should force a Jewish baker to bake a cake for a Nazi? I think I think the Jewish baker can refuse service to the Nazi. Honestly, it's one of those it's one of those very uh uh I guess diving into philosophy, you know, philosophical questions. Um should the government be able to force somebody to serve somebody that they wouldn't that they wouldn't um it, it's one of those deeper discrimination things if you if you really want to dive into it. And Austin Peterson said, "Well, Gary, you're dead wrong." Um, calls Gary Johnson out for a couple other things too. Gary Johnson announced that uh, William Weld is his is his choice vice presidential candidate. Now that's not how it works out in the Libertarian Party. Um, the Libertarian Party actually casts a ballot and and votes for a presidential candidate and a vice presidential candidate. I believe that's how it works. In fact, I'm reading it direct from the source. Uh, I, it, this was back in May 12th, LibertarianLP.org, which is the Libertarian Party's 
website released this article, and it says, uh, quote, Delegates to the Libertarian National Convention who are selected by their respective state libertarian affiliates will select the party's presidential and vice presidential nominees. Uh, the election for the presidential nomination is expected to occur on Sunday morning, May 29th. That is this Sunday coming up. The vice presidential election is expected to take place shortly thereafter on Sunday. Uh, per the party's rules, to be nominated for president or vice president, a candidate must collect the signatures of at least 30 registered delegates submitted via a token, which is dispensed when delegates register in person at the convention. Each delegate may nominate one candidate for each office. So, the vice presidential candidate is selected, uh, except the fact that the the presidential nominee, once they're made, can address the con- convention before the voting has begun uh, for endorsing who they feel would be best for them. So, unlike the Republican process or the Democratic process, where the winner of the presidential nomination can just say, hey, this is my VP, this is my guy. Libertarian Party, a little different. You can make an endorsement of somebody, but the Libertarian Party could say, well, here's your running mate. Which I kind of like that process a little bit better than just, you know, hey, choose choose somebody, choose a guy. Any guy up there that you like, choose him. Uh, because, well, you know, that could change people's minds on Trump. People have been on the fence about Trump, They'll wait and see who he picks as his VP. Say Ted Cruz caves and is VP with Trump. That's going to suck in a lot of Cruz voters, don't you think? Probably. And just like I said, too, you have Hillary Clinton over here who, when she wins the, the presidential nomination for the Democratic Party, she's not going to choose Bernie Sanders. That's for sure. It's not going to be Clinton-Sanders, but... She picks Elizabeth Warren, then she gets those teetering Bernie Sanders supporters who will be like, well, I'm comfortable with that now. I don't like Hillary, but I like, you know, Elizabeth Warren. That's how that can change up. Whereas the Libertarian Party, we're casting a ballot, or our delegates, rather, are, are picking are, are picking the, the presidential nominee and then picking a vice presidential nominee. So Gary Johnson can say, well, I'm running with Bill Weld all he wants. If he wins the presidential endorsement and, or if he wins the presidential nomination rather, and then endorses Weld, which he already has, that's essentially what's happened here. He's endorsed Weld. Then the convention can nominate Weld to the VP position, or they could say, "Sorry, Gary, we're going to pick uh, Austin Peterson as your running mate, or what have you." The thing with Bill Weld is that it, it's um, it's drawing criticism from. From uh, it's, it's drawing criticism from libertarians, mostly because of uh, gun views. But one of the big reasons was because uh, Bill Weld, or William Weld, rather. Have I been saying Bill Weld? It, it's both. It's William Weld, Bill Weld. Who cares? I can't, I can't get... Look, uh, uh, Fritz, he comes on uh, every week to, to, to do the Fritz cast. Um, because, uh, uh, because iTunes... And uh, SoundCloud, they have a huge majority of uh, of uh, people uh, who don't want to redistribute um, the uh, the popularity of listening to people talk. And my plan is to give him an equal share 
of the listenership. It should be redistributed so he can get out of as many listeners as uh, as some of the top uh, commentators. See, that wouldn't be fair of me, would it? I'm sorry. I, I apologize. But, uh, let's see. Whew. William Weld, governor of Massachusetts from 1990, or from 1991 to 1997. And now Gary Johnson is all, look, I was one of the most popular governors, and now I have uh, I have Bill Weld, William Weld. He's, he's one of the most popular governors. Libertarians, let's talk candidly. I think Gary Johnson has had a very, very lack, lackadaisical, very lazy approach. It seems to me as of late. Um... Yes, he's done a lot of different news. A lot of different news organizations have picked him up because he's been pulling at eleven percent and ten percent. I'm still hoping that maybe it can be fifteen percent. That, but that's it. I feel like that's it. It it seems to me that Gary Johnson will sit back and just just bank on the dislike from from Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Oh look. Look, I'm a magic third option. You don't like uh, Hillary Clinton. You don't like uh, Donald Trump. Just just vote for me. Just vote for me because you hate these other two guys. It's a very lazy, uninspired approach. Yes. And, and the thing is that the message never changes. Every time I listen to the news clips, I would play them on here. But here's the thing. They never change. It's always the same. He gets up and he says, uh, he says the same like three or four line uh, bit every time. I believe the government is too big. It tries to do too much. It spends too much. Uh, and it tries to regulate too much. It's it's too involved in our lives. Which I agree, it is. But when you're going on these different news organizations and you want to make an impact, at least make it sound a little bit different. At least add something, uh, something different to the fray each time. Spice it up a bit. It seems like a very lazy approach. Like It's just almost like, sitting around and waiting for the interviewers to call you to say, oh, hey, we see you're pulling at 10%. You should be sitting there knocking on their doors. Look, I'm pulling at 10%. Give me an interview. Let's talk about this stuff. And, and I realize that it, it can't be different every time, that that some of it's going to stay the same. But if I listen to Austin Peterson, for example, his will change every time. And he seems a little more enthusiastic and willing to fight Whereas Gary Johnson is, is just, it seems like, to me anyway, that the whole campaign is just banking on on this, this discontent amongst the voters. Okay, I have, a, I have yet another poll from the Hill. Trump and Clinton seen unfavorably by a majority of voters, alright? It says 57% of registered voters view both candidates unfavorably. 46% of those voters have strongly unfavorable opinions about Clinton. 45% said the same thing about Trump. There's so much discontent. There's so much just hatred over these two. And yet Bernie Sanders couldn't break it into, you know, couldn't couldn't tear in and dive into it, alright? He couldn't. He couldn't do it. And now we as libertarians, we're just going to sit here and say, 
Look, these guys suck, right? These guys suck. Look how angry you are. Vote for us. We gotta. We. I, yes, there's an exploitable bit there, but uh, I think we need to switch focus and just stop, stop being so passive about it and stop saying, "Look how, look how much suck there is out there, man. Look at all this suck. I've seen suck, suck before, but this is the suckiest bunch of suck that ever sucked." That's all I can go on for today, man. That's it. It's been 44, 45 minutes almost, we'll call it, minutes that uh, I have been glad to be able to sit here and actually do a full-fledged episode of the Fritzcast. And I'm so glad you could join me. So keep these thoughts in mind, and libertarian fellas, hit me up if I'm wrong. Please, let me know, but Gary Johnson just seems to be... Where's the opportunist here? Where is the inspired, attacking, like, get out there and get these people? It just doesn't seem to be there right now. It just seems to be more passive. I think these are the two most polarizing figures, so I'm your guy. Come on, man. And let's have an honest talk. I mean, is he the best candidate that's there, or is this Austin Peterson guy? Is he... Is he more is he more akin to you know freedom? Is he more passionate? Is he more energetic? Is he better for us? I mean, that it's a big debate because right now it's Gary Johnson polling at the ten percent and wondering if he can get polling at the fifteen percent. Yeah, sometimes I think it's just it's better to aim for that fifteen percent goal and try to get that. Let's try to get that 15% and then we can get federal funding and we can really shake things up next year or next election. I I don't know where to go from here. I don't know what the best approach is. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Until that, until that, until then, and until next week. I'm Fritz. This has been the Fritz Cast. I love you all. Trying not to steal so much from Philip DeFranco, but I love y'all faces. And I'll see you next week.